0: Welcome back to Get Your Last Chat On with Sue Yang. Our next guest interview is from Tiger 180 of the Do Better Show podcast on Anchor.fm. Tiger 180 Interviews, Sandra Turpin, Mia Moore's daughter, Dr. Tanzia Sharp. And this will be very interesting. Uh, Her field is uh, early childhood education with many different specialties. They'll They'll cover it in the interview. The title for those who want to go over to the Do Better Show. The title is The Doctor Speaks Real Talk with Doctor Tanzia Sharp.
1: in higher education I did a lot of field work uh, in the areas of uh, behavior Mm -hmm. intervention and so working uh, with a lot of school districts with uh, children who had severe emotional uh, and uh, behavioral uh, Mm disturbance. Outside of that uh, I also like to uh, note that I am a mother of six okay and so I think uh, in addition to all the book knowledge that I may have, <laughs> uh, I also bring that personal area of expertise to uh, to the field.
2: Most definitely. I mean. That sounds very, very interesting. Um, now, how, how would you um, explain to the listeners how valuable uh, versus textbook education and uh, life experience as a mother of a six um, could help? you um, in your everyday profession?
1: Well, you know, that is actually a very good question. Um, one thing that I uh, tell my students, that I am a firm believer in uh, the value of book knowledge, uh, theories that we learn, um, and the pedagogy part of education but also that personal experience that you bring into your classroom as a future educator, future teacher of young children, um, is going to be invaluable. I think uh, both of them go hand in hand. Uh, you can have the book knowledge, but if you do not have the personal experiences, sometimes it doesn't solidify the learning.
2: Hmm. Definitely, I have to agree with you. Uh, there's nothing like uh, actually putting what you know to action. Exactly. You know, um, so I, I want to ask you this. Um, can you tell us about what kind of changes that you've experienced uh, with all this COVID-19 stuff going on uh, teaching these courses?
1: Yes. Um, this pandemic has uh, incited a lot of changes in education, uh, whether it be K-12 or higher education. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what I would uh, tell your listeners is that education as we know it, uh, and we already know this, has definitely changed. And I do not foresee us getting back to what we know as the norm, um, at least until maybe uh, academic year of 2021. And so, As we prepare for this upcoming school year, Mm -hmm. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of versatility in terms of how we are educating our students at the college level uh, that will look like more online class offerings, um, giving students the opportunity to stay home um, if they so choose. Uh, If they do choose to come back to campus, I think a lot of universities are going to elect to uh, practice social distancing Mm -hmm. by allowing students to opt into uh, single dorm living spaces Mm -hmm. uh, instead of maybe having to share a dorm with uh, one or two other people. Um, Dining hall is definitely going to look a a little different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Students... Will not have the opportunity uh, to eat buffet style um, and just grab and go. It's going to be more served uh, from behind the bar uh, and and things like that. So a lot of differences, uh, still a lot of unknowns. A -hmm. lot of universities are opting for shorter semesters and possibly starting later or ending early. Um, again, just to give students the opportunity to get home. But one thing that we need to think about and keep in mind, um, and again, I'm speaking to your audience. If you are a college student, or if you are, um, let's say a professor or staff, faculty or staff at the university level, you wanna think about your own health and safety. We have a lot of students, faculty and staff who may be immunocompromised. Mm -hmm. And that individual would have to determine what level of uh, social interaction they wanna have uh, come fall semester. And so if they feel better staying at home, taking classes virtually, uh, faculty if they feel better uh, in terms of their own health and safety teaching virtually, then that's definitely something that they need to uh, talk to the university administration about. Wow.
2: That's a lot to say. Um, I'm trying to look at it uh, from a student point of view first. And imagine, you know, I'm in college on campus. I'm away from home. I got new friends, new environment, a little freedom, more responsibility, and now COVID-19. World's turned upside down. I'm back out to school, back out to home, and not allowed to be on campus. And now I'm forced to learn on a device that we use to entertain ourselves. Though so we do use it for, uh, you know, a lot of education and, and all kind of other things, you know, a lot of times uh, being young like that, we're using it for uh, some kind of source of entertainment as well. So now we're forced to learn on this. And my, my point is, Dr. is how do you think this affects the student first and the learning process Um, from using a device where you have to do uh, video chat for classes or you do everything uh, online instead of a pen and paper or uh, a lecture and a professor right there in the classroom environment? Do you think that has a big difference on um, the education process uh, of the kids learning the subject?
1: Uh, I definitely do. You know, that's another good point that Mm -hmm. you bring up. Uh, When we were forced to make this transition, what we have to realize is a lot of students went home for spring break or maybe they went on vacation, Mm -hmm. assuming that they were going back to the dorms and their university. Right. Um, And then all of a sudden, the world changed for everyone. Mm -hmm. And again, I can speak from a professional standpoint as a professor watching my students struggle, but then also uh, I have a son in college and everything that you just said, I watched unfold in our own household. Mm -hmm. Um, This was his first year. Mm -hmm. Um, Socially, he had blossomed. He had made friends. He had integrated into uh, the academic social and uh, collegiate aspects of uh, college, Um, choosing to walk on as a sport, um, branching out and making friends beyond the friends that he knew from home, and coming home was tough for him. Uh, it was tough for him not only because he preferred the face-to-face classes, mm-hmm. uh, but also because he had grown so much in terms of his social skills mm-hmm. um, and and really enjoying a, a little bit of uh, home away from home i should say because he did choose to go to the university that i teach at Uh, (laughs) but by week two or three uh he wasn't coming to see mom in her office so that let me know that he had branched off and he was uh doing well he struggled and uh, as did a lot of my students Mm -hmm. uh just some quick things that they would say to me uh a lot of our students were situated in a more rural area and so a lot of our students, when they went home, they're going home to very rural areas that don't have a lot of Internet access. Uh, accessing their classes was difficult. Uh, most of our students, and as you mentioned, looking at their cell phones and their laptops as uh, maybe entertainment or uh social media usage and having to make that transition to it being uh, functional for completing assignments was hard, was very difficult. Our university, as did most, uh, was very responsive to that. And so I think the patience from the professors, um, the leniency that was provided uh, in terms of, you know, you've got an assignment due, and my internet isn't working, or I don't have internet access,
3: uh-huh.
1: or possibly mom and dad are working from home. I've got three siblings; we all have to share a computer, and mm-hmm. so allowing flexibility um, has helped, but it has been very difficult. And and I think coming into the fall, we'll still continue to see that difficult.
2: I can imagine. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot. It's, um, how, from a professor's point of view, how, how, how does it affect teachers? Um, does it make it easier because you don't have to hold a lecture in front of a classroom? Does it make it easier that you can basically have your office wherever your internet and your device is? Does it make it easier to, uh, get your points across that you're trying to teach your students um or do you feel the flip side where you actually could possibly lose a lot of students because it's not like you're in class to say hey excuse me pay attention you know if i choose to go on my device and and log in and, and be a part of uh that class for the day, then I can. If not, then I can. And I guess that's the same face-to-face, but to me, it would feel like you would feel more obligated to show up to class than to turn on your computer or open that window, browser, app, whatever they're using to communicate uh, uh, and get their their schooling. Well,
1: you're right. And I think one of uh, the biggest hurdles to your first point is that just as the students were making this transition, so were the professors. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on the discipline, that proved to be very difficult. Uh, I'm in education, uh, but I often think about my colleagues in the sciences. And so let's take a biology course, for example. How do you superimpose what you would do in a lab Mm. to an online environment Uh, and so it's not just about the lecturing
3: Mm. uh,
1: part of the instruction but that hands on piece sometimes uh, proves to be very difficult to replicate there are a variety of ways that you can do online and so uh, one of the modalities is a true Uh, online format where lectures and information um, is uploaded Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and students are responsible for completing what would be called modules by a specific uh, time.
3: The professor
1: gives feedback individually to those students and you can also create uh, discussion groups in that type of format. So you do have some interaction between the students but again as you said it it might not be as pure as what you would see in an online or I'm sorry face-to-face class Mm -hmm. then there's uh, so that would be asynchronous then you have a synchronous online format where the professor and the students actually log on um, in like a zoom format and the professor and the students are interacting lecturing as you would in a traditional classroom setting, just online. Uh, I kind of like that style. Uh, however, like you said, you don't get that. How do you know if you've got that engagement? Um, some students prefer to keep their uh, videos off. Let's say they're, they're eating lunch or something like that. They don't want to eat in front of the camera, so they may turn their um, video off or, or something like that. And then the other uh, way that you can uh, teach virtually is what's called hybrid. That's part face-to-face and part online. And we may see a lot of that this fall. So for example, in a 15, 16 week semester, students would be required to come to class. Let's just say, I'm throwing a number out there, Um, six weeks, And then the other ten weeks would be online virtual
2: learning. Hmm. So, so far as um, on campus and uh, say, and faculty, um, what measures? You know, they're talking about reopening things, and you know. Uh, students back I, I remember you said earlier uh, about possible I can have their own home there's uh, thousands of students in a campus and you know do they make provisions uh, in another way uh, that's gonna cost uh, it's gonna cost them more money to do it you know and that's usually a uh, in any sort of business, regardless of education or whatever it is, you know. Um, but what kind of safety precautions and how do we know that our children, their children, the faculty, uh, your students, how do we know they're going to be safe? How do you know the faculty is going to be safe? Do you see this happening uh, uh, after 21 or do you think they can rush into it? um you know, at the start of 21, um, I, I don't know. It, it seems like a scary situation. And, and from a student's point of view, how do you go in to school again and say, you know what, I'm here to get my education, this is what I want to be, this is what I have to take. But now you're battling not only um, the pressures of being a student in college and growing up learning to find yourself and understand who you are but you have this covid 19 thing going on you can't touch anything you can't stand by anybody it just takes the whole experience away (laughs) you know um part of me want to say that maybe it'll help a lot of students focus more on their education because there's less partying due to social distance but a part of me says it may be uh, a turn off for some students and say, hey, look, this ain't what I signed up for. This isn't what's right for me. So that versus uh, safety precautions and, and them opening back up to college dorms. What, what's your take on that, Dr. Schwartz?
1: So a couple things here. Uh, first, we have to realize that uh, institutions of higher education are businesses mm-hmm. and you got to bring in the money to be able to function and run and most of uh, that the financial piece comes by way of tuition room and board and so uh, across the board universities are struggling with the fact that um, you need to be more cautious and implement the safety procedures but also realizing that that is going to hurt Uh, the room and board that possibly would come in under normal circumstances. Uh, That being said, uh, what I have heard um, from some universities uh, in terms of possible plans, and you have to understand that no one or no university that I've uh, sat in on meetings with thus far has committed yet. A lot of them are waiting until uh, Mm mid-June to make final decisions and get information out to parents. I would like to say that parents, college students, uh, mid-summer, June 15th-ish, look to possibly hear something from uh, your university or soon thereafter, I should say. Uh, But then the other thing is uh, they are going to have to. Figure out how they are going to socially distance the students. Um, One to a room uh, is, is a lot of what I'm hearing. The other option that I'm hearing, most universities have a mile radius for commuter students. So, for example, you have to live within 50 miles of the university if you want to be considered a commuter some universities are considering lifting that Uh, and so students who live outside of that mile radius and decide to commute if they choose um shortening the semester and so uh one university is contemplating uh sending everyone home at thanksgiving break and allowing faculty students to finish the semester um, after, after, at home after Thanksgiving, uh, which may not be a bad thing if we're thinking about the time that we would come into flu and COVID season. Right. Uh, another thing, uh, universities are asking if students are traveling, especially outside of the country. Uh, prior to fall Um, if they have symptoms or they have been around someone that they self quarantine prior to coming back to campus. Um, And then the last thing just off the top of my head is uh, that if a student uh, is diagnosed with COVID that that student will be sent home
2: recover, and to thorn. Another question I have, um, Dr. Sharp, is we have to ask ourselves this. And this this, regard, this, this is regardless of uh, the circumstance, if it's faculty, if it's a student, if it's a parent. Uh, we know education is key. We know education is very important, very essential. Uh, but we have to ask ourselves this is in our education right now uh and when i say right now i mean when they start to open things back up because from the information i'm hearing i'm not going to quote anything but from certain things that i've been hearing um you know from the news and so on and so forth uh they're saying it's gonna be at least 18 and a half months possibly two years before they actually got a hold on really what's going on. Right now, they're just guessing. So we got to ask ourselves this, is the risk for our health, life, and infecting, not getting ourselves just infected, but infecting the people that we come in contact with, worth risk in our education? You know, do we, do we put the education on hold? Or do we go gung-ho and, and say, okay, well, it's open, so I guess it's safe, and they're not even sure. And we go back to pursue our education, but at the same time, I mean, we're risking our life to be educated to better ourselves. What kind of advice could you give uh, to students um, out there that could be listening, um, or faculty, uh, other other teachers that could be listening, or, or parents that could be listening. What what kind of uh, advice or, or maybe a peace of mind could you give them when um, they're faced with this situation?
1: Well, to answer your question, I'm going to say no and no. Right. <laughs> so, is the risk worth it uh, to you know put your uh, health in jeopardy? No, it is not. Do we put education on hold? No. And so I think that's why universities are working hard at coming up with a plan um, to ensure the safety of faculty, staff, students, Um, and ultimately leaving it up to that individual to make that choice and decision. Um, And so if that student uh, and his or her parents, and, and I would say, please, Um, Take your own health in consideration. If you do not feel safe, then you need to discuss alternative means. Um, Can you put your education on hold? You can. Uh, I'm a firm believer that college is there for you when you are ready. Um, Do you have to? No. I think uh, there are a lot of options that are available out there. the whole world, in my opinion, has been very responsive in terms of uh, changing to, to fit our current circumstances. And I think universities will do the same. Uh, and so, no. Uh, but to put it on hold, no. Because that same student may be able to learn uh, virtually from home. That may be, not be what they prefer. Um, but it it
2: would be an option until we get over this hump. And, and thank you for that insight, because um, I'm sure there's uh, uh, several individuals out here in all those different circumstances who, um, probably feel that way or, or have that question. I'm, I'm big on education. I definitely believe education. Is you know, the more you know, the more you.
1: Um. Well, you know, and just, I think about my students in particular, because they've got the double education whammy, if you want to look at it like that. They are education students in college, Mm -hmm. but then they also have field experiences in the K-12 setting.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Most of those field experiences were canceled. Um, some of those students are expected to student teach next semester, which is a requirement for graduation. Wow. Um, and so, a lot you talked about the worry and the fear that students are feeling at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just uncertainty. Students don't know what's next. Um, and so, one thing that I would urge parents to do is to have those conversations with their students, uh, discuss all options and uh, support them as best as you can.
2: Um, you know, I, I just, I just think if, uh, you know, I, I'm a parent myself, if if my children are old enough to be in school right now, uh, so far as college, I mean, any, any place right now is, is, is really got to, kinda wild, you know. Um you know, I I don't care if you're at the grocery store or 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 the corner store, any any place right now is is wild. But when you think of university, you just think of a lot of people in close quarters. And you know, I, I really definitely would um have some real concern. Uh and I'm so thankful for uh technology because that's not stopping mm-hmm. anybody from learning and and that's a, a really good thing. Um, I want to I want to know this if let's just say if I'm a student mm-hmm. don't have any family mm-hmm. you know there is no one I can reach out to cuz I'm sure this case exists somewhere. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All I had was school in that dorm. That's all I had was school in that dorm. What kind of sense of hope or optimism could you give that student who's in that dark place, but really wants to succeed, really wants to get on top, taking the education very seriously and all of this happens. And where do you go with your iPad and your backpack? What do you do?
1: So I do know um, that some students live at the university Mm -hmm. Um, for those students and for maybe international students who could not get home or maybe their trip home was delayed due to this. They were allowed to stay at the university in the dorm setting. Wow, I didn't
2: Um, know that. mm -hmm. That's good.
1: Yes. And so, again, I would urge anyone who is in that situation, um, don't be afraid to have that conversation. Go to someone that you feel comfortable with or trust at your university, or just in general, uh, see someone in counseling services that can direct you. Counseling services, res life, um, I do not, and again, I can't speak for all universities, but I don't see a university just putting a student um, out, the you know, to the wolves, so to speak. Right.
2: Um, there That's are, how it kind of seemed to me, you know, I, I didn't really know, you know for sure, but it it just seemed like they just, okay, well you guys are on break and you know what, you're not coming back. You know what I mean? And just, and it's no fault of their own, and it's no fault of the university's own. They had to make this tough decision.
1: Right, And, and so, on the outside or on the surface, yes, that is what it looked like, um, And I only, because that is what happens in my own household. Like I said, I have a son in college. And Mm -hmm. so we were on spring break. He brought home a couple clothes. He didn't bring his books, anything. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, you're not going back. And you've got a couple days to get your stuff out the dorms. That is on the surface. Um, But what we don't know, and I just so happen to know, because of my involvement at the university level, that there are, and it's not a large population of students whose permanent residence may be the university address, and so those students were allowed
2: um, to stay on okay. campus. I think that is. I really think that is. You know, and I'm, I'm definitely uh, impressed about how. Uh, A lot of the world has come together uh, with all of this going on, you know, and I, you know, I just, you know, I commend uh, uh, just people who's trying to do better uh, through this COVID. Uh,
1: One thing that I do want to uh, put out there before I forget um, for students and families, uh, if you're looking for information if you're wondering about any type of emergency relief fund Mm -hmm. uh for higher education and and students uh please uh seek out the cares act c-a-r-e-s act um for higher education emergency fund through the u.s department of education There are resources available to students and their families as a part of this uh, whole uh, COVID relief fund initiative.
2: That is awesome. So I hope you heard that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Sharp, can you give them that information again? uh, You guys pay attention and jot this down. Uh, If it's not for you and and yours, maybe someone you know. um, This is some valuable information, Dr. Sharp, shared with us.
1: Yes, it is the CARES Act. It's CARES, C-A-R-E-S, Act Higher Education Emergency Relief Fund through the U.S. Department of Education.
2: Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I want to ask you um, uh, uh, another question, Dr. Sharp. Can you tell the listeners about your career expansion? Uh, we, we've heard about... Uh, uh, the different issues of, of of uh how changes are taking place uh due to college um due to this covid nineteen but but let us get a little more into another part of your world. Can can you tell the listeners about uh your career expansions? Let them know who who Dr. Tanzia Robbins Dr. Tanzia Sharp is. Uh let me let me know and and, and I, I just I just want them to be able to relate uh to what else you got going on because you seem like a very well-rounded uh lady and 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 you got it together so um just just talk to them about uh your career expansions and, and uh let's see where we can go with this here
1: well that's a high accolade to say I got it all together so I'm you, you do you <laughs> do So let's see if I can speak it uh, and and let it come out like that. Uh, As I mentioned before, uh, I've been in higher ed for 18 years now. Mm. Um, And prior to that, I did a lot of work in the schools, working directly with uh, individuals with uh, disabilities. Mm. Uh, My area of expertise was uh, behavior and uh, emotional disturbances. And so as part of my uh, career expansion and new venture, I should say, Mm -hmm. uh, I am going back into that uh, direct uh, care field and uh, through the avenue of uh, working with individuals with developmental disability, um, assisting them uh, and and individuals with behavioral uh, needs as well. Uh, assisting them with uh, daily living skills and uh, integration into the community, um, uh, independence at home, and things like that.
2: Nice. I told you, you got it together, Dr. Sher. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> you know. Uh, definitely. Um, I was also uh, reading some information when I was researching. Um, there's a website that you have um, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find you? What's it about and um, how you could help them?
1: Yes, um, I can be reached. I actually have two uh, websites. Uh, the first website is Uh That is A N Z E A H s h a r p e Uh, and the second website is more specific to uh my expansion and and what we just discussed Uh, your life simplified www.yourlifesimplified.org i can be reached at either one of those uh avenues uh and um you can fill out a form uh contact me uh with specifics or general questions and i will be sure to get back to you
2: awesome now, now, now tell the listeners what, what those websites are about exactly what is it that you do
1: so uh the first the dr tanzia sharp uh website highlights a lot of my um career in higher education, my research, and my presentation. And so uh, you will see previous presentations as well as upcoming engagements, uh, speaking engagements on that particular website, as well as uh, consultation services, those consultation and training services, I should say, consultation and training services. Uh, and that is for both professionals as well as families. So I do want to make sure I make that clear. Um, if you uh, are a uh, school district, um, a, an agency, a child care facility, uh, and you would you need assistance with staff training, um, maybe you need consultation services because you are having difficulty with uh, behavioral issues, um, environmental design, etc. cetera, um, I can be uh, contracted out for that. But also I do a lot of one-on-one and consultation with families and in-home intervention with families as well. <clears throat> so I welcome parents um, and guardians as well as uh, agencies and school districts. Uh, Your Life Simplified uh, is the direct care services that I provide to individuals with disabilities. Um, and so uh, I service multiple counties, um, and I provide a lot of uh, independent living skills, um, respite, uh, training services, uh, again, for families professionals
2: wow Mm -hmm. that that is that is a wonderful i i really really like that and uh for all the listeners out there uh i hope you take advantage of that information um Thank you for tuning in again. This is your boy Tiger 180, Do Better Show. We have uh, a wonderful guest, a uh, wonderful episode, Dr. Tansy Sharp, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for your knowledge your wisdom, and wisdom and your time and information. I've definitely learned a lot today. You are welcome anytime,
1: anytime.
2: Definitely. My door is open. I would love to have you back for sure. Um, so, uh, in, in closing, we're going to say uh, this is Dr. Tansy. Robbie, is, uh, Dr. Tansy, R- uh, Dr. Tansia Sharp, and Tiger 180. Hey, do better, show. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, and we will be with you again shortly. What's going on ladies and gentlemen, this is your boy Tiger 180 from the Do Better Show. Now if you haven't heard about the Anchor app, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain. First of all, it's all free. There's all kind of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your very own computer. Now see, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place, folks. Mandatory call to action. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, this is your boy, Tiger 180, podcasting the Anchor way.